0: All righty, good morning, everybody. So I'll start working our way back into the auditorium
1: after greeting everybody. So we have these little cards for you again this
0: week that have a scripture on it Psalm 61:2, my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then, uh, so I, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Only I really appreciate Aaron's word and the communion because it really, I was going to really open that scripture up to cover a lot broader range, and both of them did that. So now I feel fully justified in going outside the lines. Um, Because this scripture, and many like it, are really come into play in moments of stress, in dire situations, in moments of need and trauma and grief, and we're feeling anguish and, and, uh, and we want to call out to God, which is a good idea. So that is what these scriptures are for. It's a good idea to do that. But I want to expand that out into a more encompassing thought. To do that, we need to understand a few things that I'm, Going to go as an assumption. So, if you're listening to me, you need to see these as an assumption I make that God is not us and we are not Him. He is nothing like us. We are nothing like Him. He is God, He's the only God, and He fills the expanse of the entire cosmos because He created it. He is huge beyond comprehension. And we are minute and finite. It's very critical that we know that. That's You've got to understand that. We will never even be close to him in, in the sense of being like him. That will never happen. We can, we can never begin to phantom what he is and who he is in the fullness. In fact, I think that's what we'll spend most of eternity doing is just Personally, I want to fly around the cosmos, fly to all the suns and all the far distance galaxies with God and, and ask him questions about stuff that I don't know nothing about. Because I just think it'd be cool. Now, whether I get to do that or not, I have no idea, but that's my request. That's my request. Lord, when I come to see you, I'd like to spend the rest of eternity doing this. Um, why not? The other thing is. The the, the other thing that's so contradictory, so hard to grasp, is that he so intensely loves us. Though we are so unalike, he is unassailable, and we are a vapor, he just absolutely is emphatically crazy in love with us, which is also mind-blowing completely. Now, I know there is, oh, he created us, I know all that stuff, okay? I get it. The other thing is in his infinite wisdom, and I say that with quotation marks around him, in his infinite wisdom, he gave us free choice. He gave us a free will to do what we want, which baffles me because that's what he did with the angels. He gave them free will, and a third of them said, okay, we're going to go do what we want, and he had to throw them out, and they became demons. So then he creates us, and it's like, I'm still going to put free will in there. Really? Is that a good equation? I don't know. But the reason he did it is because that's who he is. That's his nature and character. Free will. The, dis- the ability to decide for yourself is a big deal to God as much as his love is. So he creates us, makes us, gives us this free will, and starts the ball rolling. And we immediately, whether or not you believe it's a literal biblical thing that he created in Adam and Eve, or if you believe that it's a metaphor for human beings just rebelling against God, we did. And this is
1: critically important to understand. We did it because we wanted to be him. You remember that, right?
0: If you eat of this tree, you will be like him. You will know good from evil. You see, pre-fall, we were not designed to know good from evil. We were designed to do one thing. Something happens. God, what is this? This is this, Stan, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I understand. God, what is this? Blah, blah. To everything. Because we know the scripture says that he never leaves us us. He, You can't get away from God. He is everywhere. That's the other thing that is amazing about this scripture. He is everywhere. You got to understand that. You, you cannot go anywhere where God isn't. If you think God isn't there, it's your perception, not reality. So because of that, he is always with us. He's always around. He is never far off. It is only our perception that makes him feel far off. These are critically important concepts to understand with what I'm going to say today. Because I want to really challenge us. I always like to challenge us because I like being challenged myself. I read a lot of books, and one of them is always from somebody I either don't like or don't agree with. Because I think it's good for me to do that. It's good to challenge my thinking. Um, I even have friends who don't agree with me that I like hanging around because they challenge me. And it's very, I believe it's very healthy to do that. So that's a sidebar. You got that one for free. So let's go to that first one. I guess it's the title. My rock, my refuge, my strong tower, my dwelling place. So in these scriptures I read today, there's going to be the obvious blatant thing that the scriptures point out, but I want you to look for the nuance, because there's in almost every one of them, there's a, there's a ending to it that gives us a hint of how this is supposed to work. Okay, it's not just a matter of, oh my, I'm, well, let's read that scripture. Psalms 61, one through four, read the whole thing. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. For the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe, I long to dwell in your tent forever, take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Now, clearly, I'm afar, afar off, the ends of the earth. David sees himself as I am way outside the bound, and I'm calling out to you, God, to be my strong tower. Now, we know, according to what I just said earlier, and I believe this, that was David's perception. God was like, oh, Dave, I'm right here, dude. I'm standing right here. I have never left you. I am right here. You just think I did. All right. And then also there are that le- verse 4 is an interesting verse. Okay. Now let's go to Psalm 62, 1 through 7. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation, he is my fortress. I'll never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? The leaning wall, the tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They they take delight in lies with their mouths. They bless, but in their hearts they curse. So David's expressing, this is what everybody's doing to me, and I'm calling out to God because I want help. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. We sang that song today, Psalm 62. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation, my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. You can go ahead and go to the next slide, Corky. Thank you. Um, Because he's our rock. He's our strong tower. He's that unassailable place where we can get away to safety. A place that we can't reach on our own. A place that we can't get to ourselves. God has to lift us up onto that. But let's go to verse 8. This isn't in the thing, so I'll just read it out of here. This isn't in in my PowerPoint. Verse 8, trust in him at all times. At all times. Not just when the bottom falls out of your life. When everything is going well. Life is hopping. Everybody loves you. You are seen as the next best
1: thing to cream cheese and sliced bread. Don't lose sight of who God is. Don't lose sight. Because I'll tell you what,
0: I was just telling someone this morning, and I've been thinking about this. I've had some bad days. I got some physical ailments. I grow bone spurs like most people grow their fingernails. And so they're in all my joints, and I have a lot of pain. Once in a while. And I was thinking, you know, I've had 10 bad days in the last year. I mean, really bad days. Bad things happened. I'm not going to go over what they are, but bad things happen. But that means I had 355 good days. Now, if I only call out to God when the bottom falls out, I call out to him 10 times a year. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a bad equation. I probably ought to call out to him when, because things are going really good. I published a book this year. You all already know that. I've driven it into the ground. That was a big deal to me. And it was really cool and really fun.
1: Well, I should still be calling out to God when that's happening. Uh, Let's see. Verse 9. Low-born men are but a breath. High-born are but a lie.
0: Basically, everybody on the earth is their vapor. In fact, I think that was mentioned this morning. We're really nothing and God is everything. If if weighed in a balance, they are nothing. Wow, that is a real humbling thing that God says that about us.
1: You're basically nothing. Ouch. Boy, does that hurt human pride. Unfortunately, it's true.
0: Of the literally 30 or 40 billion people who have lived on the planet since the creation? (laughs) I'm nothing. There have been lots of really famous people, and I'm not one of them. We got to get this in perspective to understand the depth of God's love. Do not trust in extortion. Let's go to verse 11. One thing God has spoken to, spoken. Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O oh Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to their, what they have done. This is speaking of a relationship between man and God. This is speaking of we, are, we were created by God, and whether we like it or not, and I don't care who you are on the planet, there is you, us, and God, and that's it. Now, we like to create everything else. So I write and read ravenously science fiction. It's my favorite genre, science fiction and fantasy. And there are gods galore in all of it. <clears throat> Even in Isaac Asimov wrote the foundation trilogies. I don't know if you know them, but basically man is God. We're the supreme. We're da, da, da. It doesn't matter what you do in the world. Everybody's looking for a god. And even if you don't believe in God, you're an avowed atheist, you still want a God because you want some human to rise up and do the right thing, to be God-like. It's everywhere because that's the truth. It is the way life is. And as humans, we constantly fight to change that. And I, I Maybe you've noticed this, but I have noticed sometimes Christians are the worst.
1: You know, this book right here, this book is the judge. See, the Bible says this. You can't do
0: that. The Bible, the Bible. This is the book with words. It is not God. And I, I honestly think God really gets, if he gets upset with us, When we throw this book at people and judge them, I think God is like, who do you think you are? I'm the judge. I'm the God, not you. I love that person. I don't care what they've done, how bad they could be. God is up there going, I love this person. Who do you think you are? Shut up. And I'm talking to everybody. Across the spectrum of everything. We want to make
1: ourselves a judge. You know what Jesus said in John
0: 3:17? I don't judge
1: these people. They're judged already. Why? Because of their behavior? No. Because they
0: don't believe in me. Ouch! So the next time you look at somebody and say, ooh, what a horrible human being, they are not.
1: Pull that back in your mouth, wind it back in and say, God loves that person. Let me pray for him. Now I get to say all this because I am guilty as sin
0: (laughs) in having done that many, many times. To most of you, well, maybe not. Some of you haven't known long enough. I have been getting better and better every day. Every day and in every way I get better and better at not being so judgmental.
1: And I probably do it to myself the most because I do stupid things. And man, do I want to get the hammer out and beat on me. And it never works because it's
0: his kindness that leads to repentance, not my stick beating me with it. Let's go to the next scripture, which is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the facts, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea, that they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Wow, that'll blow your natural mind right out. Really? The rock followed them, and the rock was Christ? Well, we know from the scriptures that it says he just hit a rock. It was an actual stone that he hit, then the water came out of it. I don't have much else to say about that except for, wow, that's interesting. I think it's called a miracle. As you come in verse Peter 242, 4, 2, 4 through 8, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone, is the builder the the is rejected, has become the
1: cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. I want to encourage us, this is a little sidebar, don't weaponize this. In fact, don't weaponize the Bible at all. In my my feeling about the church and
0: myself, it's the biggest failing in the church. Why? Because we want to make ourselves feel
1: good. Those people are bad, we're good. Those people are wrong, we're right. Those people are and we're not. When Jesus came, there were two groups of people, all the humans and him. That's it. We were all sinners bound for hell, and he was righteous.
0: And do you know that he did not die on the cross to sacrifice himself? He did sacrifice himself, but he died on the cross for one reason and one reason alone. Yes, it did cover, take away our sin. Yes, it did give us a ticket to heaven, but that's not why he did it. He did it for one reason and one reason alone. He loves us. That's it. He didn't even want to do it. He said that, Lord, if this cup could pass from me, that would really be good, because this is going to really hurt. But his love for us was greater than that. It wasn't some self-sacrificing, oh, I have to die there for these people because I'm the only one that can do it. That is wrong. He was the, that's true. He was the only one that could do it, but that's not why he did it, and that's critical that remember that. That he did it for one reason and one reason alone, and that's for his love. This is the reason he's our rock, our strong tower. All of these scriptures that I'm reading is because he loves us. Uh, Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So there, that's another nuance, that the one who relies on him. That's one of those nuances I was talking about. Psalm 61, one through four, again says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayers. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong t- tower against the foe. Long to
1: dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wing. um psalms 71 3 says did we show the digital show the tents
0: i don't even remember why i put those there oh no i do too i do too i remember oh sorry like were the tents in the wrong okay be my rock this is psalm 71 3 be my rock of refuge to which i can always go give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress Psalms 91.2, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress,
1: my God in whom I trust. So, when we believe on God, and that's the only way to keep from being judged. And that is really is really difficult for us to accept. You mean he's not gonna judge me for wanting
0: to hurt you really bad? Because <laughs> you've made me mad and I'd like to punch you in the head? No. I don't think that, I used to think that. I used to actually like that. I used to enjoy that thought to be honest. I don't ever think it anymore, ever. I've overcome through the blood of the lamb that area in my life of violence, hallelujah. But that didn't make him love me anymore, as Dan said this morning, dear communion. He loved me all he could love me to begin with. There was no more love he could have for me.
1: You cannot earn more love through being a good person. That's really hard for Christianity to understand. Because we want to be
0: responsible for it. I want some credit. I wanted to. I, I I want to know good from evil. I I, I want to feel better than the other person. <coughs> I want to feel <coughs> I'm a better person than them. I want to stand at the altar and say, "Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him." Oh, wait a second. That's a bad. That's a bad one, isn't it? It was the other other guy that went away justified. Oh, Lord, forgive you me, a sinner. When I started going to church again after being a kid and giving my life back to the Lord, we went to this church where there's this lady who was the happiest lady I ever met. I never, I, in my entire life, I've never heard her say an unkind word to anybody. Smile all the time.
1: Even when her husband died, which was hard because they were really close. Well, I told my friend who also went to the church, She's not real. That's fake. Nobody is that happy. That's, she's faking it. That can't be. And he said, Well, Stan, you got to know that,
0: and told me about her life. She grew up a 60s, 1960s hippie, lived in a commune, um, burned her mind completely out on drugs, and was passed around like a sex object. And God, A family took her in, and God not only restored her, but gave her back her mind and restored her body and everything. And he said, the Bible says to whom much, that person who understands loves much. She has all this stuff she's been forgiven for and restored. That's why she loves God. That didn't make me feel any better. In fact, I went back, I remember clearly, went back, sat on a bunk of wood, because I worked in a lumber mill, and I said, well, that's crap you mean I wasn't bad enough? So I, because I wasn't bad enough, like her, I can't love much. That was bad prayer. Now, my prayers to God have always been casual conversation prayers. I've never had the, you know, mystical stuff. It's always been, I just tell God what I think. And I told him. And then all of a sudden, he started showing me how bad I was. And I ended up on my knees at the end of the bunk of wood, crying like a baby. So bad. I was running. I was supposed to be running this saw. And this saw, though it was a secondary saw in the mill, it really, all it did was get rid of waste. But without it, the waste piled up. I'm laying, literally have started crying and rolled underneath this saw. And all this wood is piling up as I'm bawling like a baby. Uncontrollably all of a sudden the whistles start blowing because now they, they had to shut the mill down because there was nowhere to put the, the waste wood and the foreman comes out and he is he was a louisiana boy and he could cuss better than anybody had ever met and he is cussing and screaming and yelling my name da, 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 da. he comes around the corner and he looks underneath the saw and i'm bawling like a baby and he is just like uh uh he has no idea what to do none whatsoever So he calls the plant nurse, and they come and haul me away. And, oh, yeah, I was just arguing with God, and he made me realize what a creep I am, and it just broke me. I I just said, I'm really having a bad time,
1: which was also true. You see, I needed a dose of reality. God is God. I'm not. I'm a vapor. I'm bad. He's good.
0: And we all share that same thing. If you don't think so, then
1: I would go talk to God. So now we want to go to the strong tower photo. Thank you. This one to me is the biggest because my name,
0: Martin, means God of War. And my my first name, Stan Lee, means strong but pleasant. Only I hated the Lee part because that's the part that means pleasant. So growing up, I was Stan, strong, got a war, which is, if anybody knew me back then, that's what I was. Violent, I loved to fight, and I loved to argue, and I was pugnacious and stupid. That was a later revelation. I didn't think I was at the time. And so when I got into Christianity, the idea of spiritual warfare, And all that stuff just infatuated me. Here was a place. In fact, the stick that I used to beat people up with, I had this big hickory handle that I carried in my trunk that I quit using. And then after I got saved and started realizing spiritual war, I'd go off by myself to pray. And I would do all these violent acts against the enemy, beating the ground and thrashing and fighting demons and all this stuff. So here's this crazy guy swinging this, hickory stick around and because that's who i was just reality and even through all that silliness god loved me beyond measure and i went through all that and i love the
1: idea of spiritual warfare and taking on the enemy till i adopted my boys didn't go the way i planned I remember ended up in the mountains. Mad at God.
0: Screaming at the enemy. <clears throat> I said, God, I cannot believe that you had us do this and sacrifice all this for these boys. And they all three rejected us. And as clear as I have ever heard God before,
1: he said, yeah, I have about six billion people do that to me every day. Whoa. Whoa. Didn't Solved my pain but it created a reality of a reality of the way things really are and i realized then i was leaving the strong tower to fight and i was fighting on my own you don't ever leave god to go for a fight
0: if a fight happens run back into the tower and fight The tower is Christ. Run back into him. You can even stick your tongue out at the devil in that position. Don't do it while you're out there. That's a bad move. I could tell you stories about people I've seen do that, and it was a bad move. But you pull back into the tower to fight. You pull back into Christ to fight. You always remain in Christ. You never on your own have the ability to take on the enemy. Never. You will always suffer doesn't mean you don't take on the enemy it means you don't do it ever do it outside of christ and if you ever have the thought that i am now strong enough i am now prepared enough i know the word of god well enough i have prayed enough to do it on my own you are doomed we are not designed to do anything out of christ that's why the fall happened if eve would have sit and listened to the serpent and said you know what that's an interesting thought hold that thought for a moment Father, what what is this? It never would have happened. But she stayed outside of God, didn't stay in his counsel, and we are the result of that.
1: Never leave the
0: strong tower. The name of the Lord is, this is Proverbs
1: 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Live there live there don't ever leave it in fact i well
0: that's getting ahead of myself the lord is my rock and my fortress this is verse psalms or this is psalms 18 2 in the niv the lord is my rock my fortress my deliverer my god is my rock in whom i take refuge my shield and the horde of my salvation my stronghold you will never be strong enough knowledgeable enough versed enough powerful enough walking in miracles enough to take on the enemy outside of Christ. Never. This is one of, now, I believe this is emphatically, this is the word of God. Please don't hear anything but that. But I also believe emphatically, this is not God. Don't let it become a substitute. This is, I had a person tell me this analogy. You're dating your wife and you have a buddy who knows your wife and you're in a far land. And so he writes letters about your wife, how wonderful she is, how great she is, you know, or your girlfriend at the time. And you get all these letters and while you're away, you read these letters every day. Well, then you come home and you
1: get married. And at night you sit on the edge of the bed and read the letters while your wife is laying on the other side of the bed. Now that's stupid. Now, maybe, maybe she does something that I don't understand that.
0: Did did my friend write about that? Oh, he did. Oh, now I get it. To understand her better, you may read the letters, when her conduct is not what you want it to be. Am I driving that analogy home enough? You don't. You have God, the Holy Spirit. Did you know that this book started in 15? Now, the book itself started before in the Old Testament. But the New Testament church didn't have this for 1,500 years. People who got saved up in Germania, Germania, in Northern Europe, they didn't have a Bible to read. So they couldn't know God. That's silly. Of course they knew God. They could know God. Now, do not hear anything disparaging about this. I don't mean it that way. But don't think this is replaces God. My wife's name is not even in this book. There are some of you who your name is actually in the book. But my, Lori is not in the book. So I couldn't, gosh, I can't, should I marry Lori or not? It's, there's no scripture
1: that says thou shalt marry Lori. What do I do? And that, in fact, almost every decision in your life is that way.
0: And every decision in your life should be taken to God. Now, some of those decisions are preset. Like, should you brush your teeth in the morning? Yeah. I don't think you need to ask God to brush your teeth in the morning. But man, there are so many that we don't because we think we know. The biggest one is when you're talking to someone. It doesn't matter who they are,
1: believe or unbelief. It doesn't matter. And they differ in their opinion from you. Well, the Bible says this. I don't care. I don't. I care in
0: that that's what the Bible says, but is that what that person needs to hear? Or could the Holy Spirit say, "Ignore that." That's not really the problem. And having been who I was and growing up, many of you have, you've all probably heard the stories of growing up, I had people coming to witness to me all the time, and the ones who bashed me with this got nowhere. The ones who ignored my idiocy. And believe me, I was rude and mean to them intentionally.
1: I wanted them to leave me alone and to feel bad. And they just looked at me like I hadn't said anything. and said,
0: well, I just want you to know that I just see something inside of you that God put in there and it's such a good thing. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. Those are the people that touched me the most. They didn't beat me with this. They love me. Let the Holy Spirit tell them because it was true. Later on, I realized it was true. So read this all the time. Memorize it. Devour it. Put it in there. Put it in your back pocket. And when you meet somebody and they say something you don't like, say, what's going on, Holy Spirit? What's happening here?
1: What do I need to see here? What, what, what is the thing? that is important in this situation. Um, Let's see. Let's skip to slide 46, Corky. No, yeah, 46.
0: Hear my cry, O God, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wing. This is that nuanced thing that I was talking about. What he's saying is, you want to fix this?
1: Don't ever leave God. Don't ever walk away. Don't ever think you're away. Don't ever think you're outside of his tent. Don't ever have that thought because it's a lie. It is just a lie.
0: Your perception is wrong if you believe God is far from you. Now, I know perception is most of reality for all of us as human beings. I get that. Doesn't make it right. It just just what it is, but it's wrong. We can always be in that place. There is never a place where we kids st- just stop and go, what is going on? What is happening here, God? I don't understand. Why is this like this? Now, I try to do that. I don't, I'm not always successful, but I
1: try to do that more and more. <laughs> and a lot of times, it doesn't help much. Because it's not like he answers me all the time. It's not like, well, here's what you have to do. Step A, B, and C. Ba-ba-ba.
0: Now, that does happen at times, and I'm grateful for those times, but there are a lot of times that it doesn't. 1 Corinthians 2. And so it was with me, brother and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence. Now, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, who had an incredible experience with God outside of the normal apostles, on his way to Emmaus, or on his road to go persecute Christians, actually, not to Emmaus. He was going to kill Christians, round them up and kill them. And God appears to him. And so this guy's had this special revelation. And he writes two-thirds of the New Testament and has this, I mean, he's just a special guy, right? Paul, the apostle. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not
1: rest on human wisdom. Boy, this is a good word for today
0: What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand that God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. It cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. This person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him though we have the mind of Christ. Matthew 22, 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now, these are the people that knew the word of God. These are the people who are going to set things straight. They knew right from wrong. They knew good from evil. They knew the law. They knew what was written in the scriptures. They knew all that. Hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he felt the necessity to throw in a little extra. Because that answered the Pharisees' questions. What is the most? Then he said, in the second, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Wow. That is a huge mouthful that is very simple. And I want to throw out to you today that if you understand who God is and who you are, and you're dwelling with him, and that's your guiding light,
1: 99% of your daily difficulties will disappear. doesn't mean you'll like it, because we have to transform our soul. So you walk up to somebody, doesn't matter who they are. You ask, what do I do, God? He doesn't respond. I'll give you the response. Love them. Do what's best for them. You want to default on something? Default on loving them that's what jesus did for us he defaulted on loving
0: even when the places where they were pressing and pressing and pressing him and he didn't want to give him the answer he tried to give him the love answer until he said oh that's you want to know all right you're blowing it (laughs) there i tried to tell it to you nice i tried to just love you but you keep pushing you're wrong it's love 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 unconditional love unconditional love I believe this message, and, and I'm sorry if I'm being laborious because you've heard it the last 10, 15 times I've said anything, but I believe this is where the church is at. We are at a crossroads
1: in our country in our world. We are at a crossroads to make a change. And we're looking for ideals, philosophies, patterns
0: programs, and I'm telling you, they will all not work unless they're built on this. They will not work for you, and they will not work for your friends. They will not work for your neighbors, and they will not work for the world. The reason I know that is because Jesus came and said, I
1: love all of you, and I'm going to die for all of you, and I'm not judging any of you. You either believe or you don't. That's it. Make a decision. He left it in our hands. I
0: love you. I'm going to show you love. <clears throat> and so, my challenge, and we'll end with that, Quirky. Thank you. Um, my challenge for us, myself, <clears throat> for the next week, every time you run into somebody, ask yourself, How do I love this person? How do I love this person? What do I need to do? How do I show love to this person? And that love is unconditional love, which doesn't mean feel-good love. It means unconditional love is doing what's best for that person. So when your kids are crying and they're asking for the third piece of chocolate cake, and you tell them no, you have just loved them. Because they don't need three pieces of chocolate cake. It will be bad for them. That's a simple example, but it goes on all the way across the board. So there are times I I had one of my sons ask me, if I robbed a bank, what would you do? I said, I'd turn you into the police. And he's like, whoa, that's harsh. I said, no, it's love, son. Because if this is where you're going to start, you'll be dead in three years. Because you'll get shot, something bad will happen. I don't want you to die. I would rather have you in jail for robbing than to have something worse, because this is the road you would be on. And my love for you demands that I do this. Love demands, unconditional love demands honesty, not honesty to hurt or honesty for right. I'm right and you're wrong, so I'm going to be honest. No, that's not why you do it. You do it because it's what's best for them. What they need, that's the reason when you get into something with somebody, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, because you don't know what's best for them. As they're spouting off some garbage. <laughs> and you, oh, I know the word of God. Let me take the sword and jab you. No, say, Holy Ghost, what does this person need to hear? What do they need to feel from me? What do they need to know from me? Maybe they, all they need to hear is, wow, that's interesting. I just want you to know I love you. Maybe, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say, what to do. And I want to encourage all of us to go to that place where we dwell with God all the time. He is always our rock. He is always our refuge. He is always our strong tower. He is always our place of dwelling. Don't ever leave. Don't ever feel like you're equipped enough to leave. You're not. Don't ever feel like you're learned enough to leave. You're not. Don't ever feel like you're spiritual enough to leave. You're not. That doesn't happen. True spiritual people realize that, hey, the best place for me to be is sitting right here at your feet. The strongest place for me is to be sitting right here in your strong tower. The safest place for me is to be in your place of refuge. The safest place for me to watch the world go by is sitting on top of this rock that nobody can assail. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for all these people. Thank you for all the people that watch and will watch this. Lord, bless them today. Let them come into t- your strong tower. Let them find your rock of refuge. Let them find that place where unconditional love dwells all the time. We thank you for that, Lord. Bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we're, there's going to be someone up here to pray today for you if you need prayer. and uh, Enjoy fellowshipping with one another as the day ends. And uh, Sarah and I will both be handing out these little cards for your memory verse. And thank you.